and welcome to another episode of Let's Be Honest with me, George. Me, Ellie. And me, Rachel. Now, this is, I say, and I've noticed I say this every episode, but I'm really excited this week. <laughs> not only are we back for another episode, and I'm really interested in one at that, but we have our first ever guest on Let's Be Honest. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have the lovely Nelly with us. Um, Nelly, please say hello to the podcast listeners. <laughs> hello, podcast listeners. <laughs> smashed it. You smashed it, Nelly. I mean, you're a pro. <laughs> Thanks. You come back Welcome. next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome. That's all you really need to do. Yeah. Um, so I think what would be good this week is if we all go around and say what our pronouns are and how we identify. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I identify as a lesbian. My pronouns are also she, her. Um, I also, well, actually, I identify as gay, as we said before, but I also identify as a lesbian as well. So. And my pronouns are she, her, and also identify as gay or lesbian. My pronouns are they, them, and I identify as queer. Love that. What a diverse cast. So much. <laughs> Love that. Um, so, Nelly, before we get into uh, the podcast, well, we're obviously in the podcast, but before we get into the nitty gritty, um, we do a segment um, just at the start which is my favorite bit. And it's basically what made us super gay this week, what made us feel just happy to be part of the community. It can literally be anything. Um, Ellie's usually revolves around the weather, which is always fun. <laughs> I'm always excited for Ellie's <laughs> input into this. Um, but um, if, in fact, let's start it off with Ellie, you know, go start off big. <laughs> well, what made me gay this week was, um, George and I have been thankfully working together in real life uh, so we're back in studio recording and um, I had to what really makes it for me is when we get in studio I get to wear my bum bag or my fanny pack for all you American listeners out there but I love my bum bag because I get to fill it with not only pens and pencils and sharpies but speedy tweets as well so I have a, an emergency Kit Kat in there so that's what makes me gay this week. Uh, but that's a good one. Rachel yeah. can you top that? Oh, I can. I can. Actually, I think I'm sorry, Nelly, not to like prejudge, but I think I can top you all this week. <laughs> I, today, was very gay because I was vaccinated against COVID-19. <laughs> that has made me so gay. I am honestly buzzing on life, waiting to feel like shit tomorrow. But hilariously, I mean, it is totally hilarious because it's my fucking life, yeah. is that I was jabbed with that at 11am and at 2pm they announced they won't be giving it to the under 30s anymore. Oh yeah. So that's amazing for me. So if this is my last deed, I'm glad it was with you guys. Oh, thanks Rach. <laughs> so Nelly, what made you gay this week? I don't know if I can talk the, the, the gay COVID antibodies. Um, <laughs> well, we actually had some of illnesses this week for a month, uh, who is an, also another trans person. I mean, living in a, in a small village where there are not a lot of LGBT people in general. So it's, it's really nice to have someone who is part of the community to like, be like, hello, <laughs> yeah. we exist, this is great. <laughs> that is great. 
I'm actually really jealous and might come and move in myself. <laughs> <laughs> and get the, the whole community taken over. So they're staying with you for a month? Yeah, uh-huh. Just want to slowly turn the whole village gay. Start with the house, move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's kind of what I hope for in my life, just to turn the whole world gay. Like, <laughs> just like, that's my dream. <laughs> my total life goal is to live in something called a gay birthday. Yeah. <laughs> well, what made me gay this week, guys, as you know, we are getting married. Uh, well actually Nelly you might not know uh my partner and I are getting married next year um and this week we've planned for ask to ask our bridesmaids to be our bridesmaids and we're going to do it through a scavenger hunt and basically it's around the city and they've got to go to all like the gay places that we all kind of hang out um and we've been in touch with like I don't know if you guys have that in Glasgow Bros bagels I think they might be an Edinburgh thing but they do rainbow bagels like at a certain times. So like we've organized for them to get a, a rainbow bagel, shout out to Bros Bagels. Um, and then they're gonna finish at Greenwood Cafe, which is a gay cafe, and then get little cookies that say, will you be our bridesmaid? Like so American. <laughs> what the hell, this is like such an, I can't wait for the wedding if this is the bridesmaid. Oh, well. <laughs> well, you guys might get a cookie. <laughs> You're not going <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's what made me feel super just gay this week, organising all that and getting in touch with all the gay places in Edinburgh and CC's as well. That's obviously going to be uh, the first stop on the on the hunt. So yeah, I've had a pretty gay week, actually. Oh my God, that is such a nice one. Yeah. I feel like you're treating your wedding entourage way nicer than we just do. I just sort of smooshed my face against the window of their shop and was like, will you be with me on my wedding? <laughs> That is brilliant. <laughs> Nelly, tell us a bit about yourself. Where'd you come from? What do you do? Oh, do you want me to do my Silla Black impression? Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> What's your name? Where'd you come from? Oh my God. <laughs> it's so bad. It's fun. It was beautiful. Um, um, Nelly Kelly, um, a playwright. Um, a performer, a dramaturg, many things <laughs> people pay me to do them, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm predominantly a playwright. Uh, I write mainly for an ensemble of now eight trans performers. I feel like I add another performer every, every time we do something. <laughs> um, yeah, and currently write a lot about uh, trans joy. I kind of figure that uh, when trans people are given space um, to be visible, it's usually to talk about like really not nice things like debating rights or talking about healthcare or all of these like really heavy things. So generally I just write lots of fun stuff to, to try and give us something that's like nice that we can go and see and not feel like, oh, actually heavy yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah definitely that's really 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 important that's great and so how did you actually advertise for that like are you you know is that something that has just kind of naturally happened or is it something that you definitely just wanted you know to have this ensemble of, of trans people uh so I was I was actually brought on board 
weirdly after I went on a rant about how I didn't want to be a writer anymore <laughs> um, because I wrote a, I wrote a play that I was really proud of and then I took it to theatres um, and this was quite a few years ago maybe about I don't know about five, six maybe seven years ago um, and, and places were kind of coming back with feedback that like I think with other plays I was totally fine with them being rejected and things but this play was like oh it's really good but um, and some of the things like that they weren't in a position to cast it at that time or like some of the criticism was just seemed really strange like um, there was one that was like the the pronouns they then felt too deliberately adhered to it's like that's that wouldn't be happening if their pronouns were she or he yeah. Or, so yeah and so then I started to perform my own work which is how I became a performer um, so there were people who uh, were part of the production company that I work with now uh, who came to see my performance and I kind of went on a run so we're like oh I loved it I was like yeah but I don't want to be a performer I want to be a writer but I just like feel like if I don't perform my own work then it, then it won't go on uh, so then like a month later they came back and were like like do you want to write this play for us uh, so the production company is Queen Jesus Productions mm-hmm. um, who the, like the playwright who wrote the play they had they've only had one play before that but such a huge play written by a trans playwright called Joe Clifford and she wrote this beautiful play 10 years ago called The Gospel According to Jesus Queen of Heaven uh, and the whole play was like just her on stage and it was imagining Jesus coming back as a trans woman wow uh, and it's like really 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 interesting because of all of these stories about Jesus it would make the most sense like the most kind of helpful thing you could do is come back as a trans woman it's a really beautiful play and it's been like all over the world now and stuff um so they have the production company just centered around this this one amazing play and then they were just like oh we're celebrating the 10 years of this play so can you come on board and write a play for uh, an ensemble of trans performers so that was great <laughs> and i've been working with them since yeah that's almost two years now that I've been on board with them. That's so cool. cool. And and so you you said, Nelly, about um, someone, like someone saying about um, the pronouns and things. When you hear people saying that and almost like saying, well, no, this is what you really should be going towards. Does that kind of like make you angry or do you feel like, because we've had this conversation before where it's like, it either makes us really angry or it makes us want to educate people and, and say, hang on a minute, no like that's not right you know like how do you deal with with stuff like that I mean I think it depends in that in that like specific instance I was really mad and I think one of like the big reasons for that is that I can't answer back to that like it's a totally anonymous person like who has who has read that script and given that feedback um and it just feels like in that situation because you feel totally powerless like I think I get really mad because I'm like this is really ignorant but like there's no there's there's no way for me to be able to interact with that mm-hmm. um but I think it it depends like I think if I feel like someone should know better or is like especially people in positions of power who aren't informed and then sort of are the people who hold kind of barriers in place I get I, I don't really have a lot of patience for it I think if it's if I can I, if I can empathise and kind of see genuine reasons why someone is getting something wrong, then I have a lot of patience. Also, because I think 
you know, if it's not in your realm of experience, then you don't come across a lot of this stuff. Or like, especially when it comes to like trans language and how trans people identify, like, I think that's so rapidly like shifting and growing and changing. So I have like huge amounts of patience, but I think it's just, I think you just know when someone is like, just getting something wrong because they don't know or just, and then the difference of that versus like someone getting it wrong because they don't care. And I get annoyed when people don't care, but people just don't know, then I'm like, okay, like, let's see this as like a learning opportunity. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I, I feel like I get annoyed with myself all the time because I feel like I don't educate myself enough. And I do know better because, you know, I'm part of the LGBTQ community and I have, I always think that's like a, comes with a territory almost that you, you should also be educating yourself on all of those labels and I don't and I don't know enough about it. And like literally, for instance, um, like last week of and I always think of myself as like I'm really on top of all this stuff. I'm like, you know, I've I've said it before on the podcast, but like I like love being gay. It's a huge part of my personality and all this kind of stuff. But last week, someone said, Oh, um my my son came out as um non-binary and you know that was that was when we had a little chat about it and then at the end of it big mouth here goes oh good for him and I was like but also and things like that because people are harsh on themselves a lot for getting pronouns wrong but like I think one of the things is <laughs> that trans people are the most aware of is that we live in like a especially non-binary people like we live in a really binary gendered society like everything is gendered in a really binary way and I think like one of the things that I like to talk to people about is the fact that like within the trans community, like we also have occasions of like misgendering each other or even like misgendering ourselves at first. Cause I think like, it's like so ingrained and um, and it's one of the, like, I, it just is a really active thing. I think you need to like practice it a lot to get there. Because, but obviously, cause it, like it's what the whole world is built on. So like, I don't think I would trust someone if they were able to just go right over it and go get everything right because it's not like we've been taught the complete opposite yeah. it's just it's just when people don't try I think is yeah. is when like it's annoying but also because I think like like yeah it's it, quite often what happens is like sometimes people can be like too scared to get it wrong yeah so they just <laughs> ignore it altogether and think it's better if I just completely ignore it then I won't make any mistakes therefore or not even that I think like sometimes like people are so well-intentioned but so terrified to get it wrong that they kind of forget that you're a human and sort of act like like you're a very delicate fragile thing that might break at any minute and I like I think because I'm very easygoing and I can take a lot like that's just seems so strange to me but it's like really well-intentioned people who are just like must not get it wrong and I'm like we can have no chat if this is how worried you are would you rather that people tried than not tried oh yeah like and I would rather like people tried and got it wrong and weren't like super super stressed to the point that like we can't engage as like humans having banter together than like being like super super stressed out like I think yeah that's the thing like it's just, I also think it's about people changing it in their head. You can tell when people aren't doing that. You can tell when people go away and misgender you or like in their heads never see you as anything else because I think 
you can you can see that change and like it takes time um but you kind of notice when people just aren't trying yeah yeah and I think as well the the key to bringing like all communities closer is that these conversations are super open and it's not a case of being stressed out or scared about it it's a case of being like I'm so sorry I don't I don't understand like can you like tell me because that's what I was so excited to have you on today because I have some questions and I'm like I want to learn. <laughs> the thing I was going to say was it's also it's good that I mean the media is super slow in keeping up with um, terminology and things like that or even just being on board with like how many people are in the LGBTQ plus community um, but with the likes of for example Sam Smith coming out as they them that was a huge turning point I think and it really put it to the forefront because up until that point it really wasn't that spoken about or was like whispered about um but now it's like it is like you say people are adapting or trying to adapt or trying to change and like say rehearse it and practice saying it because the more you practice it out loud the more comfortable you become saying it yourself and then you can learn from it and like say it's it's better to keep on trying and obviously sometimes you are going to slip and just say she rather than they or he rather than they but at least you're consciously making that effort yeah and that's the thing like I think it's yeah there's just there's annoyance when it's like someone clearly doesn't like see your gender as a real thing but it's also really weird because like it's only been in like modern history that that's really been a thing like when you look at you look back at loads of different cultures from like the very beginning of recorded history like gender wasn't seen as a binary thing for so many cultures I also think like it's been really interesting the past year thinking about it and in terms of like the the kind of Black Lives Matter uh, protests and things and just like all of the talks about like anti-racism and how like we become anti-racist and stuff like I think there's a huge discussion in that as well for the sake of intersectionality for um people within the LGBT plus community to think about like colonialism and the effect that that had on gender and how like so often like cu- like cultures had these like rich uh, gender diverse representations um, and, and what it means to have had them taken away. And I think specifically like, yeah, for people of color within the LGBT plus community, like what impact that has and stuff as well. But there's a hugely rich culture of it. Like, it, it, one time was the absolute norm to, to have multiple genders yeah. um, and in smaller communities. Around about the turn of, like, agriculture is and the rise of patriarchy. Because this is the thing as well. Like, obviously, like, with the establishment of patriarchy, like, it doesn't make any sense for gender to be a fluid thing because then... It, there, w- there was the freedom to sort of take on more masculinity and the privileges that was afforded like so that's like with the rise of that there's kind of more of an evidence of like nope this is like these things cannot be yeah traversed I honestly love learning about stuff like this because it makes me then want to go and like discuss it with other people and then I feel like that's how you like ha- open up discussion kind of spread the word sort of thing you know I'd be like oh I had a really interesting conversation and did you know this you know that and that's this is what this is all about and I hope that this we really wanted this episode to be an education for us but also for everyone who's listening 
So Nelly, you you uh, identify as trans non-binary. So what what does that mean to you? So it's kind of interesting because yeah, there's quite a lot of non-binary people don't necessarily identify as trans, and then a huge amount do identify as trans. Um, for me, like I think I I kind of feel both because I feel like to like be happy and comfortable in my life, I needed a sort of element of transition. And I think, yeah, that's 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 how both felt, how I identified, but a lot of people don't. But also again, it, a lot of it is a cultural thing as well. Like um, like there, there's a lot of like culture, people from cultures reclaiming yeah. these identities that aren't trans because like, <laughs> they always existed and then were erased. And then there's this question like, is is that transitioning? No. And that's not normally the example we use when we talk about the non-binary community identifying as, as, as trans or not as trans. But I also think it's like another important discussion of like, it, it's really interesting when you, you look at the fact that there were more than two genders and where does uh, the trans identity come, come into how, how you feel out with the binary. Yeah, because I was going to say, is it like, you know, everyone says like sexuality is a spectrum. Yeah. Is it the same thing for gender? Yeah, I mean, not for not for every trans person, I don't think. Like, because there there are so many trans people who are very much binary trans people, and that feels really really good for them. But I mean, well, I guess I mean I would say even within that, like they are part of a spectrum because we all have a mix of masculine and feminine energy, I would say. It's just that, mm. like, some people have one or the other more so, and then some people have much more of a mix. Um, but yeah, like, non-binary gender identities are very much a spectrum, and some people identify as non-binary, some people identify as gender fluid, uh, agender, gender queer. So there are, like, a lot of um, terms that even fall into the, like, non-binary umbrella. Can you explain a little bit about what those mean? Yeah, so gender fluid um, is like when people kind of fluctuate. So like maybe they'll feel mm-hmm. like a man one day, maybe they'll feel like a woman one day. Maybe they're always non-binary, but sometimes they feel more masculine. Sometimes they feel more gen- like more feminine. So it's essentially just that their gender identity is in flux depending on how they feel at any given time. Uh, agender are people who don't feel that they have any gender at all. Then you have gender queer. Mm-hmm which is kind of a term for non-binary, but for people kind of feeling that their, their gender identities is, is queer, and that's, that's the best way for them to describe it. That's so interesting. See, I'm like already, I'm already learning so much. Can I also ask about, did you change your name? Yeah, I changed my name, yeah. Um, weirdly, I'd already changed my name before I'd sort of realised that I was non-binary which I guess, like, was it, my brain realised it before I, maybe I had the language for it. So, yeah, I think I just, like, yeah, I got to a point where my name just seemed really weird. It's like, it's not, just doesn't, like, who is that person? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I changed my name before I even was like, oh, that's that's why. <laughs> but when I kind of, when I realised I was non-binary, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank and did people have like a hard time when you changed your name? I'm more thinking about like, you know, maybe closer family members, even like, and, and this 
like excuses all this time but the older generation did did people have a problem with that like you deciding that that's what you wanted to do not really I mean I know a lot of people who had much more difficulty with it I think like the older generation in my life had a bit of a run into it because I was writing under Nelly Kelly for a long time before I was like this is yeah I mean but also when I was like can you please call me Nelly was at the time that I was coming out as non-binary so so I think their head was more exploding about like pronouns and like transitioning and what all of these things kind of meant uh so <laughs> I feel like the name was 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 softened they're like okay that's easy to go with yeah. <laughs> it's a cracking name as well yes. Nelly Kelly I mean it rolls off the tongue know, <laughs> my partner's called Molly Frawley <laughs> no. <laughs> that she's is Molly Frawley <laughs> Nelly Kelly Molly Frawley oh my god Georgia Posh <laughs> that's what you should write under what about um dead names like do you does anyone ever use your dead name or how do you feel if it is used um so I think the only people who ever really use it are people that have not like had in my life for a while so like maybe like a cousin will pop up and be like hello (laughs) and I'm like but it just seems really weird, like, because with PayPal, PayPal is a nightmare for trans people. Because, <laughs> like, I've changed my name legally, I've changed it at the bank, everything. But until I, like, change it on a passport, they are, like, not for listening. So, like, oh, not that long ago, I got something sent out under my dead name. And me and Molly were just, like, laughing at it. Because you're like, it's just such a, like, just such a weird name for me. It just yeah. doesn't, like, it doesn't fit either. Yeah. Was that, a, like, a big decision, like, to like officially change your name was that kind of like do you think a moment where you were like okay that's that's the old you know and here I am this is me now definitely I don't think so I mean I think for a lot of people I think for most people that seems to be how it goes um but I think my brain needed a bit of time to deal with like like what was going on I think maybe at the time that I was changing my name I think I was just very freaked out by transness because we've always like you're always kind of told that like one narrative where like someone always knew that they were like the opposite and in inverted comma gender and like they always knew that and then they came out and they transitioned and like it was all in this neat little box and that was it done so I think at the time when I was like changed my name and stuff I think my brain sort of tricked me I was like you know it's just for writing and that just like it doesn't really like softly and under the radar because I was like I think I was like okay like there's something that feels weird and then it was kind of like I'm a trans I was like like, I'm not a man I know I'm not a man I don't want to be a man I have no desire to be a man no (laughs) offense to men (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like I but I didn't really have a frame of reference at that point like non-binary identity has only been a very visible thing for the past few years so I mean that that would have been like 10 years ago well a bit less than 10 years ago but not much um and I just had no frame of reference so I was like well there's like there's something weird but I don't I, I don't have the language to like identify it so I kind of just swept it under the rug so I don't know how to deal with that yeah. I'll move on come back to that at a later date like we all do bury that bury those feelings yeah. bury everything and do you think it kind of um in in terms of that identity did that kind of transition also with your like how you identify like your sexuality as well like do you think they're intertwined or are they separate and you have to come out as one and then you know yeah (laughs) 
I mean, this is, I, I think that's the thing that for a lot of trans people, myself included, felt like quite unfair. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, I've already came yeah. out and like yeah. I've done that yeah. like emotional labor. Yeah. And like, and especially because I think at that point, like you don't realize that it's more complicated than that. So you're like, yes, I've done the hard thing. Yeah. And then like, I mean, it can take time for the dust to settle and you're like, oh, wait, this doesn't feel the way that it's supposed to feel. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, God, I've got to do it again. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I suppose the, the best example of that recently in terms of media would be Elliot Page because, yes. you know, Elliot Page had originally come out a few years ago and I remember, like, their... Um, the YouTube video and I cried when I watched that and I was like oh my god this is what I needed this is what I, like the strength I needed at the time and then for now them to for them to come out as um as Elliot Page that's like a whole other like chapter of their life and like you say it takes the dust to settle and for them to really learn about themselves you know and like it can be like say it can take years um to like really feel comfortable in your own skin I suppose definitely but Elliot Page coming out as a lesbian, I remember, was like a humongous deal. Yeah. And now, yeah. yeah. They're on the cover of Time or whatever it was at Time, was it? I think it was Time magazine. Yeah. Like that's that's awesome, but I feel like it was kind of depicted differently. But even in those small amount of years, like now, how celebrated it is, rather than being a headline of you know. Yes, rather than it being like a you know, in like OK magazine or something like that, it's uh-huh. it's, it's less um, gossip, like column gossip. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's just so much more celebrated, and it, it gives me hope. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's like that thing we what we chatted about last week with the was it last week or the week before representation. You know, always saying that that how key that is to everyone at different stages of their lives and stuff. But I don't know, growing up, did you have Nelly? Like, I, I don't even know, like how old were you when you realized, you know, was it like a light bulb moment where you were just like- It was at the Britney Spears fantasy perfume. Yeah. Perfume. <laughs> <laughs> you smell that perfume and think, that's it. <laughs> no, like I remember it really clearly. Actually, it was maybe only about three and a half, four years ago. So it wasn't like that long ago. As much as I kind of all like, was questioning who I was for quite a while mm-hmm. before that. And I think I always kind of felt like a bit disconnected from like who I, who I was seen as versus kind of who I was. Yeah. Um, but my partner lived in Germany at the time and she'd only like just moved there. So she was staying with someone else. Um, and we were sleeping on a mattress on the floor. <laughs> like when we went to bed, it's like, do you think like, like, what do you think my gender is? And she just like looked as if she's about to burst out <laughs> laughing. And I was like, what's going on? And she was like, I just think it's so funny, like, because you're very evidently not a woman to me, but you but I also didn't want to like prompt you to think about that if you weren't ready. <laughs> but I think but it was a total revelation. Like I was shocked because I was like, what? You knew this and you didn't like yeah. tell me because I I just thought that was not obvious in any way, shape, or form. And she was like, it is the most obvious thing. I generally had a very similar experience to this. I thought I was having this like massive moment. And I was like, guys, I'm gay. And they were like, yeah, no shit. Like, no one was shocked. Wasn't, wasn't a big shocking moment. And it's interesting because yeah. you're like, 
why didn't you tell me but also <laughs> didn't tell me and I've came to it by myself yeah. and it's weird because like when I came out before that when I came out as gay like it was just something I always knew and it was really simple and everybody else knew and there was no shocks there and like so I feel like I, I got cocky and I was like oh that's really really easy coming out of story and then the next one it's like oh what was it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's really interesting and and so we was everyone okay with it like you know did you have really negative or yeah for the most part I kind of avoided telling people that like I thought I was going to have a hard time with in a lot of ways because mm, like, yeah. I just was kind of like is it, it for quite a while I was like is it worth it um and then I sort of just moved uh-huh. away from them so, like the people that I didn't think were it was worth it with um, and, and like was very kind of openly out after that. I just didn't want to have those conversations with people that I thought I don't want to invest that time in and I think it was such a good move because it meant like there were a couple of people who found it difficult I mean I think <laughs> my mum is always convinced she uses the right pronouns with me and maybe uses them like 20% of the time Aww. but like god <laughs> love her she would there 100% support me in any way she can just like those pronouns are a real, real bugbear. But also if it's like Molly says to her like, oh, you know, you've been getting their pronouns wrong. Mom's like, what? What? No, no, don't, don't think I have. Like, <laughs> we all know you have, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, God love her though, because like, it's just like, you know, I, I kind of spoke about this a lot about in the podcast before, but about, you know, my dad, I could never imagine him saying my daughter's a lesbian, but he tries and like it's just it's not sometimes about them saying like the correct thing but it's about the fact that you know that they they support you and that they would back you up like you know it's not always about like getting it right it's not always about the language it's 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 bigger than that it's your your attitude and your your trying and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and it is difficult like because I think I was kind of trying to explain this to some people that I worked with as well of like because we were talking about like sometimes if like people's pronouns are like wrong and like if someone like has like a big response to that um and I was talking about like it was actually through like um anti-racism work that I was doing at like at in through NTS and stuff um and thinking about like microaggressions and stuff and the way that you explain them that was all really helpful because I think like it's why it's so important that like we understand like other forms of marginalization and support each other and stuff because like it's all like so often like you can really understand a lot about the dynamics of that as well and I think like yeah so I was like trying to explain it to them like you know it like when you get someone's pronoun wrong that might be like the fifth time that day and it's like you know like that's like the fifth heart in probably many of like that that day or week or month and it's like and I think that's like the bridge that we so often miss, like that's totally dismantled. Because then people who like maybe get something wrong but are trying are like, whoa, that was like a massive reaction. And like, that, like you're so unreasonable. And then there's like this idea of like the really unreasonable trans community, which is like totally not the reality. And I'm just like, it's like that little bridge of like love and compassion and care that like, and, and I think quite often, like if that's extended, then like, like, because the trans community is like a really warm, lovely, like, amazing community of people I think they're just like so often there's this like disconnect of like an understanding of like how hard that is but also like from the other side of it like so often I think 
people come in with like their barriers up because they're so prepared for people to get it yeah. wrong. Um, so I, I, I guess it's why I write a lot of the, the stuff that I do. I'm just like, I think I'm just like a hippie at heart. I'm like, I want everybody to just love each other. <laughs> so I'm like, so I just like some fun stuff. We can all get together. What, what, what do you think needs to happen? Like, what do you think would be helpful to bring everyone together? You know, what bridges are, like, what things are wrong? I mean, I guess a lot of it, I don't know if that's just my total media brain, but I'm just like mainstream media tells us things and tells us what to think almost do you know what I mean like and it's not kind to trans people no I know exactly and I'm like what, you know, what do we need to see that would help I mean I think I think the most helpful thing is to actually see like realistic representations of trans people um yeah. and also like given space to not just talk about really rubbish things um yeah because I like I think Especially because I think there's been a lot of really heavy stuff like to do with the trans community, especially in Scotland over the past few years and like the gender recognition consultation. I think the media really, really like stoked the flames of that in a really horrible way. It's such a huge question because I think there are a lot of people who don't even know a trans person and all that they've kind of had to consume is like, oh, these like changes would mean that men come into your bathrooms and it's just like these really like big horrible like fear-mongering headlines and words and news reports and like and I think there's always this idea that like fundamental basic human rights for trans people is somehow a debate in a way that you would like we would never frame that for any other sort of person so like we talk about the trans debate when actually it's just about like like do trans people deserve to live like in safety and free of violence and I think it yeah yeah, but but it's kind of stoked by the media because it's like you know a trans person can't can't be on something to talk about their experience without it being balanced with like someone who's against their fundamental human rights and things I think it's just a really like dehumanizing thing so then like I think especially with like social media like trans people can really really get it hard but it's because like so often people are just like consuming things that are telling them that trans people are somehow like less like valued or like to be less respected than them but even it's something that we don't talk about like in Scotland the current waiting times like so from the point of like first referral by a GP for a trans person realistically like and this was pre-covid so like everything's been in a standstill for a year and it will just be so much worse but before COVID hit it would take like on average like four to six years from the first point of referral for like someone to have a surgery like any surgery and like for like a trans masculine person for example that can be like five surgeries currently just to even get your first appointment like I've been on a waiting list for nearly three years and I haven't had a first appointment. That's that's through the NHS and the NHS have like an 18 week turnaround for non-essential surgeries for like everything else. And then when it comes, I mean, it's not to say that they always meet them, but like when it comes to like very much life-saving surgeries, not non-essential surgeries for trans people, it's years and years that they need to wait. And that's all, that that will be way worse because of COVID. That is mad. But surely as well, um, and I know we're saying like the 18-week turnaround for life-saving surgeries, I would take a guess and say quite a lot of the time they actually are life-saving surgeries for a lot of people. 100%. And this, like, it's the thing as well, because 
I mean, for so many, <laughs> they are life-saving surgeries. And even if they're not, they're like surgeries that are going to like dramatically like increase the quality of life for people. And the way that I always frame it is like if you were on Facebook and you seen like a post about like somebody's dog who like couldn't get a surgery that was going to dramatically improve its quality of life for another four to six years like people will be outraged and like there'd be so much going on to change that and then I think when it comes to trans people like most people don't even know though because and a lot of that's sort of like media really not wanting to to report on that and I, I've came up against that as well like having I like had work recently that was a, a, a media outlet that like the like I wanted to have like a kind of thing on it at the start to like say like this is what waiting times were pre-covid this is only going to be worse like a, a different phrasing but to that effect and they were like oh you know we can't like we can't say for sure that that's going to be factual so I came back and like referenced it all and a lot of the references were like NHS references and they were like no don't feel like the government or the NHS really get to to fight back on that so we're going to leave that <laughs> it's like that the resources are from the NHS guys like, yeah it's really hard it's almost like they don't want to paint them in a bad picture it's like mm, they've had enough to deal with right now um we can't just we can't shine a light on actually how this is now going to impact the trans community so we'll just we'll not talk about mm. it yeah that's what it feels like and that's mm. massively infuriating because like you say there's no discussion there and there's yeah. not being brought it's not they're not shining a light on it they're just yeah. ignoring it and hoping that it's just gonna go away yeah yeah. I can't believe that it's, it is mad I also think like the within the NHS I don't think that um it's kind of like at the forefront of education for the people working within the NHS as well and mm-hmm. and I I've got friends um who are two two women who want me to start ha- try to start having a baby and they went to their GP and this was a few years ago and oh two years ago and was like oh you know like where would we start and they and literally the doctor was just like I don't really know you know you have to go private for that that's not something that we we can help you with and it's just little things like that where it's like well can you not go and look it up and think and you know you could they could have been like oh okay no worries like let me I'm not sure about that but I can go and find those resources for you and come back to you yeah it needs to come from a higher place in order for it to trickle down to then educate the wider population and and just on what you were saying Nelly about um representation of things um within the media i remember i don't know if you guys watched it but there was uh, i think it was about three years ago and channel four did like a question time almost with um munro bergdorf is that yeah Munro. and it was about trans rights in fact it was when all of the kind of um uh, same-sex uh, toilets the whole argument was for that was coming quite prominent and they and like you said, they had Monroe on and then someone who was completely against it. But she was getting heckled from the crowd and and nothing stopped. It was a live debate. And that heckler stayed in that crowd, carried on. And and, you know, for me, for us working in TV, I was like, why is the director or why is someone not saying that person needs to be removed? Because that's and, and Monroe was saying, like, I'm being heckled here and nothing's being done and and for me I was like yeah like this is outrageous but it's being allowed to continue Uh, and it is that thing of you know it's just basic human rights and and 
And to debate that on live TV, but then allow for someone to, you know, literally be there in someone's ear saying, no, 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 you are wrong. You don't deserve basic human rights. Yeah, it's mad. You know, the thing about that as well that really pisses me off is that um, the reason nothing was done about that is because, like we were saying earlier, people are like, oh, well, don't rock the boat. That's a touchy subject, like all this stuff. And like, I've come up against it. Um, I have like been kind of like rude with superiors almost at times because, you know, it was this kind of, I, I was doing this job that was for um, children's mental health. My job as a researcher was to find things that were relevant to the, the, um, the children that we were aiming to, to get. And things that kept coming up over and over, over again were sexuality and gender and all this kind of stuff. And I pitched idea after idea after idea and was always met with, oh, we just have to be careful about what we're saying there. We just, we can't really put that out. Like, it's not really our style. And I'm like, so you will literally talk about anything else Mm -hmm. except this. Literally anything. And why is it not... um, why is it taboo like and I think it's like this thing of like because the parents of those children are not there yet and that that's that was the thing you know and the point that was that you know I fight for it every time I can you know especially like not just in that particular job but in various other jobs it's almost like a glass ceiling isn't it it's like once that is broken and these discussions are start having and it stops getting looked at as like a taboo subject in 2021 um for god's sake like the even you saying george about like um the, this that couple going to the nhs and i um, imagine it would be the same for trans people like i think your usual gp would struggle with that but if a hetero couple went to the gp and said they were struggling to have a baby it'd be like oh my yeah. god what can we do yeah. for you yeah it's crazy but even when it comes like with the local gp like with um with trans people having to wait i mean now you probably in excess of six years easily yeah. like if a trans person goes private so like if so if they were to like self-medicate with hormones not like not even that like the step up like going private to get like actual healthcare professional doctors to prescribe you like testosterone or hrt like to keep you like safe and healthy with mm-hmm. that you should get blood tests but like your GP gets to choose whether or not they do blood tests for you. So it's like optional whether whether they keep you safe while, while you're doing that. That is mad. Yeah. That shouldn't be an option. Like that is totally inhumane. Yeah. Like if you had any other, because like it can cause like blood clots and stuff. If you had, it, like if anything else was causing you a risk of blood clots, especially like young people, yeah. they would absolutely not be able to turn that down um but if if even like like even if you're self-medicating other things if that increased like your risk of blood clot you know that like they wouldn't refuse that but so often so often trans people are are refused uh blood tests to make sure that they're like going to stay healthy with that it's really inhumane but it's something that we don't get space to talk about so i think so often like like I find when I'm talking about it in circles that, are, that aren't trans people people are like what <laughs> like this is 
like a huge part of the issue as well because we're not given space to like actually talk like it's always boiled down to the bathroom chat yeah and like are really like really really simplistic things and like like we want like access to healthcare and like to make sure that like we don't end up like with like serious health problems or deaths from like becoming who we are like and like we're not we're not wrapped up in these really petty things like when they talk like there's like just really weird things that come out of like uh you have to identify like certain things like this you have to use terms like this and like some of them like are important and whatever but like the you know they're so often like just popped up in the media to make like trans people seem really unreasonable Mm. it's like actually like like we're we're really just wanting to like live in peace and happiness (laughs) like everybody else gets a right to yeah it's like what you say when they're trying to boil it down to something that can literally be spoon fed to the public to make them understand like this is what they're asking for they want these kind of bathrooms because they want to feel you know um like that's open and available to them it's like that is the least of your problems you know it shouldn't yeah or like they want to take away all your bathrooms (laughs) want to take away your right to same sex spaces and stuff and it's like we don't care I I don't I've never met a trans person with that amount of energy we're just like trying to get like very basic yeah yeah also like not being funny but I swear just like same sex bathrooms have been around for like forever but people have just kind of forgot that like a disabled toilet is is but even I mean the the kind of argument that's made there right of like if trans women are allowed to use women's bathrooms then like men like men who aren't trans will like infiltrate that space like pretending to be a trans woman and I'm like we live in a patriarchal society like if a man wants to assault a woman he's just going to do it he doesn't need that like he did and he wouldn't go to that because also because we live in a patriarchal society it would be seen as this like horrible shameful thing that he doesn't need to do so he's never going to do it like it makes no sense and then you also have the thing of like like trans masculine people don't exist in that argument because when you're like do you like do you want this dude in your bathroom with like a big beard and muscles and like and it's like, no, you don't exist. You're not convenient yeah. to, work, to my argument. Like, it's totally nonsensical. Yeah, yeah. literally. That is, that is, <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, yeah. That's it. it. End the podcast here. Yeah. Nelly's yeah. big dropped. That's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but it's, it's the people in the middle. Like, it's, it's the people in the middle that I think, it, because if you hear enough of that, you go, oh, sh- is this something I should be scared yeah. of? And because they have no frame of reference, then they're like, okay like I'm scared of this now it's like no like you do not need to be and like like come and be a good ally (laughs) but trying to get that when you're so restricted to like the ways that you can access uh interacting with that demographic it just gets really hard god I feel like there needs to be like a big like Stacey Dooley documentary or some shit on this like no we'll do it ourselves with our own yeah. with the, we're making a production company Nelly you can come and be a part of it although I yeah. really fancy Stacey Dooley so if we can get her <laughs> on board that would be brilliant she seems like an ally I think she'd be yeah. something like that love a bit of sis oh I bet you do you do look at you you're all, you're all, all red yeah. I'm already <laughs> yeah. but no totally like definitely needs 
and it is that thing of like I didn't I didn't know any of that what you've just said Nelly and I'm part of the community and as Rachel said like we are very proud prominent lesbians (laughs) and but it's just like a a world that we perhaps are ignorant to because we think oh well we're part of the community that's enough but actually there's so much more to it and there's yeah yeah definitely you know Um, the difference is though is that we're part of the mainstream community so mm -hmm. like we're in the community that has gone through the the not not completely through it but like has almost nearly kind of sort of peaked out the other side and is now accepted by society in my inverted commas that no one can see on this um (laughs) and that's I guess that's why um we don't face the same issues even though we do face some issues we don't we're, we're not like almost it's almost like I, I kind of visualize in it as like a queue of people and it's like LGBTQ <laughs> and yeah. like it's like one at a time we can only handle like one at yeah. a time <laughs> that's also like I think it like it's why it's so important to have these conversations as well because I think quite often what can happen with that with certain people like it's, it, it's why it's great when people aren't like that but like there are like a small group of like like you get the like keep the L out of LGBT mm-hmm. who took over the pride march in London yeah. and it's like I feel like sometimes what happens is when people are more accepted they sort of go okay we're accepted but but these people are making us look bad so like we're gonna like push them out because like because they might jeopardize like the safety we have mm-hmm. And I think that's like built over years of trauma, right? Like it's like an inherent trauma of like that community and that experience. But it's like, like let's just not push anyone under the bus to get it right, guys. Like, go, I'll get them together. Yeah, we all have to like, we all have to. It's like everyone has to link arms and like go at it together for sure. Like, if if I'm part of like the LGBTQ community, then I'm part of the whole thing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And the thing that blows my mind so often as well is like, like I've come across like older lesbians of like the mindset of like, you know, trans women can't use our bathrooms. And it totally boggles me because I'm like, you were alive when like, they're like lesbians were like, were seen as a threat to women's bathrooms and lesbians shouldn't be in women's changing rooms and all these things. And I'm like, like, I just don't understand like the emotional disconnect that like, like if you've experienced that how can you then like perpetuate that on someone else it totally baffles me it's just like remember that um that group just lgb and they were just kicking out the t all together and yeah the lgb alliance Uh (laughs) (laughs) also like when you look further into it i mean i have went down many like internet hole about the lgb alliance and when you look into them like it's so many, like so many of the people involved aren't of the LGBT plus community at all. Like they, they've given talks like condoning the removal of like LGBT education from schools. And then like huge amounts of the funding has come from like evangelical Christians. Like it's, it's so many levels oh, of messed yeah. up. It's not good when they get involved. Absolutely not. No. I've seen too many Louis through documentaries to know it's not good when they get involved. <laughs> On that though, there are so many variations of the LGBT. So I always worry that I'm not saying the right thing in terms of LGBTQ plus, and then there's all this LG LGBTQIA A plus. A plus. Oh, so okay. like, is the do you think 
there's a set one that we should be saying. Do you know what I mean? Or is LGBTQ plus? Or even, I mean, I think it, I think it shifts so much that LGBTQ plus or LGBT plus yeah. is acceptable. I think, yeah, like for me, I'm always kind of like, so long as like you try and educate yourself and make yourself aware of like what else is there. Because I think the problem with just using LGBT plus people get lazy, right? So if you had like all of them, then people go, oh, what's that? And what's that? Yeah, that's so like, true. Because like when, when things do change and you kind of like realize that, oh, okay, so it went from LGBT to LGBTQ and then LGBTQIA and all that, you know, it's like, um, but I didn't know what the other letters were at the time and, and now I do. And actually it's easy. It's fucking easy to say it. It's not like a, a huge thing. Um, but I still don't even think people have dealt with the first four first you know what I mean like it's like but queer seems to be a more um, more common term now more than ever I would say I come across that quite a lot now I think like one of the ones that feels important for me is I like I feel like intersex isn't like intersex people aren't given a lot of visibility and like aren't uh like they don't fall into LGBT. No. Yeah. The first time I even came across uh, intersex was actually on a Netflix program called Degrassi, and that was the first time that I'd ever heard of it, and that they had a character who was intersex, and and it was a proper like education because I was like, why have I never heard about this before? And again, this is only a few years ago. Like I feel like it's something I should have known about, um, or should have been aware of, but. Um, but I wasn't because it's was, it was not talked about in the media. Like, but a lot a lot of LGBT a lot of intersex people don't even know they're intersex. Yeah, yeah. and I did actually see a documentary oh. about it. How that choice is made for them, like as infants, as like as a baby, and um, that that choice is made for you by your doctor, and then yeah. They, like you grow up not knowing and or not feeling right because actually you're like whatever they made you is not how you feel and then it's like you've had that you've had that taken away from you and you don't you didn't have a choice in the matter I can't remember I find a documentary it was very very good but it's, it's also like yeah it's the kind of lack of education as well because I totally feel for the parents mm-hmm. like they, like they're essentially as well just because of the way that our whole society is I feel like if you did have a kid who was born intersex like I feel like society teaches you that like that will be harmful for your kids like because they would be like ridiculed or like pushed out or treated like they're not equal like and instead of like as like doing the work to like be like why is that and like why like we should open it up and accept these people we're like no like you should make this decision like this life-altering decision Um, for this human and then just like act like it never ever happened yeah and I feel like I kind of feel for the doctors in that as well because like I feel like they would they would have felt like that was the best uh decision to make but it just yeah it just totally shows like how like hugely against like anything that we can't put in a little box and understand really easily we are as a society there's just so much to learn like there's so many like even um even for me, like the other day, when Demi Lovato came out as pansexual, I had to go and look up what that meant. Because I was like, right, well, hold on a second. So as far as I was concerned, she was bi. 
mm-hmm. and now she's pansexual and I had to f- like go and see what that meant but I'm not being funny it really just took me five minutes to quickly google what is pansexual read it and then say oh okay that totally makes sense like it's not fucking hard this is what annoys me I'm just like if you don't know why don't you go and look it up google is your, your phone is literally a computer in your hands like go and quickly do a quick google check two minutes done now look I know a new a new sexuality <laughs> like yeah um but I just thought it's, it's super interesting how you can literally learn every day and you don't have to be part of the community to to do that you know we're all learning yeah but it's yeah but it's a part of the community that's like so like hugely yeah yeah totally yeah but also like a part of the community that like needs us all to come together right because these things are still happening Mm -hmm. it's not like that's like being resolved these things happen all the time it's like yeah I feel like quite often we can kind of get wrapped up in like our own identities where I'm like like I'm very like community based and I'm like who is it that like needs us to like platform them and like make sure their voice is heard because I've had like especially like in interactions with like media and stuff I'm like oh wait this is like this is real I think I just was very naive and was like la 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 nobody's ever going to like censor what I'm trying to say or whatever and then like when it happens you're like oh I'm totally powerless like there's oh, there's nothing I can do here. So I think because of that experience, like, I'm like, we need to come together and, like, make sure that we, like, make those voices heard. Bringing it back round to your writing, Nelly, like, how do you write inclusively f- about your characters, like, for your characters? Uh, so I feel like I've got, like, a much easier job of it now because I work with like an all trans cast, which is so much fun. Um, I think, it, so before that, I, I just kind of wrote what I knew. I wrote a lot of like very androgynous, like trans characters that were named trans characters, but they did like, either they were like very binary trans characters or they were like me in character form because I didn't have the like, uh the perspective to like really think about more ways of being trans but then through doing that writing like I became very like involved in the trans community and met loads of people and then that like representation got a lot better like if I if I was like a young trans person in an audience what would I need like I wouldn't need like another story about a trauma or like another like life story because like quite often in theatre or media we're given like a platform to like talk about how our life's been really difficult yeah. <laughs> like I just feel like if you were a trans kid as much as it's really important to see those things like if it's all you're seeing you just like I'm like got like no wonder like mental health and suicide rates and like young trans people is like so high because all they ever get to see is like being trans really really hard you're gonna have a really difficult time and everybody's gonna hate yeah, you exactly, like exactly. That, and that's not the reality, like, it's not the reality of the situation. So I think, like, even just, like, being around, like, trans people who all have, like, different expressions of gender as well, like, I think quite often because we're not given a lot of representation, we try and, like, go for, like, the easier to consume representation. So, like, yeah. it'll be, like, this is, like, a manly man and this is, like, a very feminine woman. And I think being, being in a space where, like, that didn't have to be the consideration like don't think I would have written a play before where like someone enters in like a binder and a spark because I'm like oh that's 
that would be too confusing but like having that kind of space I'm like I don't need like my writing doesn't need to be apologetic like if people get it great and if they don't then like maybe they'll go away and look into it <laughs> maybe I'll open up a conversation yeah uh-huh I feel like the most radical thing that can be done for both audiences for a trans and a cis audience is just to write a play that everyone enjoys because it brings everyone together it's light and also like I feel like a cis audience who doesn't maybe get it is like oh my god that was so much fun they're amazing like I want to like support them and be kind to them and like love them as human beings exactly that's so it's 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 as simple as that isn't it it's like the way to like the way forward is for positivity well thanks so much Nelly for coming on the podcast like at I, I think this has been my favourite episode. Like I've learned so much, and it's so nice just to hear um, from somebody else in the community as well. No, I think it's just like yeah, really great to to have these discussions with like yeah. cis people in the LGBT plus community. Like it it doesn't surprise me that people in the community don't know a huge amount, but it's like why is that? Like, and I just yeah, I have a lot of faith that like if we really like work hard to have these discussions that like we're only going to be stronger for it no absolutely 100 and hopefully this podcast is uh, something to get those conversations started so thanks so much again nelly and for being our first guest thank you so thank much you. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you lovely chatting thank you Bye. Bye.